Wow. Touching each other, we we hug each other, we touch each other here. So would you grab the hand of the person standing next to you? This is um, week two of 2024. And the Lord wants to get us ready for what's coming. He wants us to be prepared and be leading, to be leading in the crisis. And in order for you to lead, it means you've got to be on top of everything. Amen? Amen? How many of you are looking at all my bills paid? That's what, I want you to just... Uh, just raise your hands as you got your hands together. Thank you, Lord, for our bills paid. Thank you for answering the desires of our heart. Thank you for removing every financial crisis from my life. Thank you for the discipline to store what needs to be stored. Thank you for the, the, the courage to face where I really am and the obedience to follow your every command. I thank you for it, Lord. I praise you for it. Now, Lord, fix our hearts that we might be able to please you in every way. We give you thanks and we give you praise. Enlarge the territory of our heart Enlarge our faith. Call us up to the ruling place of your people. I thank you for it, Lord, that we are on top and not beneath. We praise you for this. Now, Lord, let your word have place in our lives that you may receive glory. In Jesus' name, God's people said amen. Amen. You may be seated. As you're being seated, I want you to, actually, I, I, I was a little bit premature, but you can stay seated. Let, let's, uh, let's pray this prayer once again together, that God would do this for you, that God would do this for us. I desire that in our hearts. Can you put our prayer up? Thank you so much, Ken. How are we doing? Are we good? Can you repeat it sitting down? Okay, then, good, sit up. <laughs> Let's pray together. We would be still and know that you are God, King God, supreme in your authority, ruling, reigning monarch of this universe, timeless in your existence, ingenious in your creativity, and with totality of ownership, we stand in all of you. So let's say we sit in all of you. And we contemplate your awesome holiness, your majestic splendor, your blazing glory, your limitless power and unquestionable sovereignty. We worship you for your flawless character, your infinite knowledge and wisdom, your absolute justice, your unserving faithfulness and unending mercy, your matchless grace, and your terrible wrath against sin. We bow our hearts, bend our knees 
before you as we acknowledge your dazzling beauty, your fascinating personality, your incomprehensible humility, your unsearchable understanding, your unfathomable love. We acknowledge that our greatest need is to have a far greater revelation of what you are really like. We ask you to meet that need. We would also join you with Moses and pray. Teach us that we may know you and find favor in your sight. Thank you that you will answer these sincere requests. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. If, raise your hand if you, you think that's becoming a real prayer for you, not just a recitation, but it's becoming, um, you want to see God that way. Raise your hand if that's the truth. Yeah. All right. So, I, I want I want to uh, I want to take up where I left off last week. As we look at as we look at what God wants to impart to us as a church, and what you personally need to receive in your heart because God is, is looking for a people that have this in their heart what he would do with them is amazing amazing so go to chapter 9 of Acts chapter 9 of Acts, you recall I'm fiddle-dilling with this computer. Give me one second. You do recall. <laughs> there you go. I, we were rehearsing two characters last week and wanting you to identify with one of them, maybe in some instance both of them. We talked about Paul, who was totally against the purpose of God. He didn't know what the purpose of God was. He thought he did. Like a lot of folks who are on social media today. They think they know what, the, what God's purpose is. And they speak the things to foolishness. Because they don't know the word, and worse than that, they don't know the writer. They don't know the one who wrote the word. I'm not talking about the men he used to write it. They don't know God whose word it is. And so in, in Acts chapter 9, we talked about Paul, who was such an opposite character. N not the kind of guy you really want to hang out with. He was judging people. And if any of them would even pray or say or had any speech that likened them to what was called the way, or as we would call disciples of Jesus, he would confiscate them. He would, he would bind them, confiscate their property, and take them to prison. Which, and they were, they were supposed to be judged whether they were worth, worthy of execution or not. 
because of their because of their confession of Jesus Christ and because of the fear of God in their heart. And Paul thought he was doing God a favor. He thought he was really pleasing God. I don't know if any of you here have been in that situation where you, your life, you thought you were pleasing God and God had to show you how opposite, how displeasing you were. And you know this story, those of you that read the scripture. He has this encounter with God, which we're going to have, by the way, a church encounter. And give me the, give me the month, please. In April, we're, we're preparing for that. We're going to have an encounter with the Lord. Paul had this encounter with God, totally unexpected. He didn't ask for it. He, he thought he was doing the right thing. He was on a mission. He would have said a mission from God. And his mission was murder. His mission was confiscation. His, 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 his mission was, was shut them up. You know the story while he's on his way to do so. God decides to interrupt his path. Raise your hand if God has ever interrupted your path, what you were about to do. And if God would have let you do what you were about to do, you would not be here today. Have mercy. And God, by the way, I don't know who prayed for Paul. Somebody did. God, in his sovereignty, the sovereign God that we just prayed to, decided. And by the way, God lets us know his thoughts about Paul when he talks to the second character, Ananias. And, and Ananias is already a disciple. He's already loving God. And already, um, uh, he, he's already being obedient to the Lord. He already knows Jesus has died for his sins and raised from the dead to prove it. He always, he's already a believer. But he's also informed. I don't know what kind of social media they had in those days. But, but, but Ananias had got the word. Man, look out for this guy Paul. He's a scoundrel. You know, if, he, if you're around him, just gonna be just chill. You know, don't be whipping out no no script. Don't be talking about Jesus. Just just chill, because he's locking people up. And 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 the Lord spoke like the Lord intervened in Paul's life. He intervenes in Ananias's life, and he says, Ananias, I, I want you to go and tells him exactly where to go, because my servant. God speaks about Paul. My sir, I've got him there. He's blind, and he's, and I'm telling him right now that you're coming. I, I want to say it that way because many of you need to need to obey your divine appointments. We're talking in our in our class. By the way, if you're missing class, you're missing a great, you're missing a great time of of. Um, you're missing the class. You're missing what you need, the equipment you need to be everything God wants. <clears throat> and he tells Ananias, he says, I want you to go to him and pray for him. Lay your hands on him. You want me to touch him? Yeah, go, go, go where he is. Lay his hands on him because he can't see. He's praying to me and I'm telling him, you're coming. Look at your neighbor. He said, don't disappoint God. Those of you that are in our training class on Sunday morning, 
you'll know right now we're starting on a journey right now of, of, of disciples that hear God and are being obedient to what he wants. You're missing out if you're not there. You're not in on your assignment. But I will tell you that, 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 that the Lord knows how to talk to you about other people. He knows how to open your ear so that you hear him. And so in your daily routine, you, you, you realize, oh, wow, I'm on assignment today. Okay, Lord, show me where they are. By the way, one of the most exciting things that can ever happen to you is when you are a disciple on assignment by God. When you become a disciple, that means one who, who's disciplined, you learn, and whatever he says, that's what you do. I mean, you don't neglect your responsibilities, but you hear what God's saying to you, and people become your assignment. Such is the character in the ninth chapter of Acts. His name is Ananias. And Paul, who's so, who's so determined to do it, this boy was so determined, he went to the chief priest, got papers, got legal papers to lock them up. And if it happened that they got killed on the way, it's okay. Oh, he was. And then gave him, gave him some henchmen to accompany him. Some strongholders. I don't know what y'all call them people, you know, when the enforcers. What you call them in the, in the, in the, what you call them in the, goons? That's what you call them? Thugs? Who said thugs? Okay, I'm kind of curious. Raise your hand if you used to be one of them thugs. Ooh. <laughs> I can't believe you had the courage to raise your hand. But thank God, Bernard. I thank God that God saved you, Bernard. <laughs> so the thugs and the are, are, are with Paul. Paul's got them. They, they, you know, they got his back. They are the enforcement of his word. And... He's on his way, and you know the story. God decided, I need to, I need to just, I need, I need, I need to put a little light on my boy, because he really think he all that, but uh, he don't know me. And God shines the light. Paul saw this light flash so bright. There are other places in the Scripture that talks about the light of God. It's brighter than the sun. That His glory is brighter than the shining sun. We know it's bright. Moses encountered that light. John encountered that light. So many others in the scripture encountered that light for a brief moment. Moses encountered that light even a second time. Turned his hair white. Paul, on his way to do damage to the people of God is stricken down. The light is so powerful, though I don't know whether it's the waves or whether it's the frequency, whatever, whatever it was, he hits the ground, blam, from his horse or donkey. I don't know which one they were riding, but it ain't fun hitting that ground. And he hits the ground and, you know, how he's got to come to himself and, you know, he, he opens his eyes and he hears a voice and his eyes are open, but he can't see. Can you imagine the panic? And he hears a voice. He said, the voice said, the voice said to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Paul said, who are you, Lord? Isn't it interesting he used the word Lord? 
I imagine in Paul there was something that recognized in his spirit since all of us bear the image of God. I'm sure there was something in him that, that, that had some, some, some association with the creator. He said, Lord, who are you? He said, I'm Jesus whom you are persecuting. Okay, just a little, just a little, I've been taking a little survey. How many of y'all really gave Christians the business before you received the Lord? I mean, you gave them the business. Thank you for that, thank you for that hand over there. It's okay. God's not going to get you. He's not going to strike you right now. I'm just wondering how many of y'all, how many of y'all out of your mouth gave folk the business? Did you give, you know, stand up, Elio. <laughs> no, really, no, he was like, oh, he was deaf on him. He wanted to fight him. <laughs> he got, I know his change. I saw some hands back up there. I saw a little lady back up there raise her hand. Was you, Cecily, over there? Lord, have mercy. I saw somebody in this front row raise a hand. You give, you give them the business. You know, you understand what I mean when you gave them the business. And then God says, Paul, I want you to go to Simon's house. He's going to take care of you. He, didn't, he, he would have obeyed any. I, I need to say that some people don't obey God until they get struck by God. Some of you are just hot. I, I, I said, God comes to you like you need him. <laughs> yeah, he come after you the way you need him. Some of y'all, as a child, all your mama had to do was just look at you and then look. And you just break down and cry. Oh, ah. You know, others of you, they can look at you, you like. Y'all like that Bernie Mac thing, like. And so some of you, have, God has to get you, he had to, he had to really hit you. How many of y'all been hit? Raise your hand. And raise it high and, and, and turn around and look, and look around. He had to just smack you. However he did it, he know how to smack you. And when he got your attention, like, by the way, raise your hand one more time. By the way, those of you got your hand raised, he, God had to really get after you. It's because what he wants you to do is so great. What he wants you to perform is so important. 24, you're going to be able to step out into what God really called you for. By the way, you look at the, in the scripture, you look at the word called. If you look it up, you'll see this word is applied to everyone to become the disciple. Not just the preachers and teachers and evangelists and pastors and apostles. It comes to every believer who is called by every believer who comes to God. It's called calling. Some of you were like, God didn't have to do anything, but not much, because you just, just a little, just a little, just a little shove, and you're like, oh, God, you'll just do anything. Others of you, like, please. I'm sorry to tell you that when God told me what to do, I just said, I was worse than that. You ever seen kids that say, okay, then don't do it? Raise your hand if you want an M. You say, okay, okay, I will, but you don't do it. I just want you to know who you're talking to. I just want you to know who, I just want to know who you're talking to. 
<clears throat> Amen. Praise God. And God, God is patient with you. And then he comes to a point where he understands because he understands all of time. He understands all of history and future. So there comes a time, a point, because God has allowed us choice. It comes a time when you need to respond to God. And Paul doesn't know what to do. He just, he's, Ananias questions God in the ninth chapter and says, well, you heard about this guy. He's locking people up. He said, I know that. But he's my chosen servant. Go to him. Pray for him that his sight may come and lay your hands on him. Later on in Acts, the Apostle Paul testifies. He testifies about this thing that Ananias did. And he says, that's when I received the Holy Spirit. Because you don't ever hear the actual, actual incident other than Ananias laying his hands on him. You don't hear any other way that the Apostle Paul. But Apostle Paul said, I, I speak in tongues more than you all. And he goes back to this point where Ananias comes and lays his hands on him. Though we don't, we don't have the record of Paul in that moment receiving the Holy Spirit as we do. He did. And in fact, he, so much so until Paul gets, until, I knew, until that's pretty bad, bad. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> I got a little distracted. One of my, my, one of my team members just walked in the door. He has a crazy schedule. So. Neil Thomas. So, so y'all knows Neil out there in the hallway. This is his wife clapping for him. Amen. And uh, Neil's one reason why we're able to sit in comfort because he's in charge of all the systems and all that. Anyway, where was I? He, Holy Spirit, he, Ananias, go lay your hands on him. I'm saying this again to every, some of you because when God begins to talk to you, one of the things he will do is give you the opportunity not only to, to, to give a gift to someone or to, to pray for them, he will also give you an opportunity to lay your hands on them. Be obedient to your neighbor. Be obedient to God. We, we never see any ordination of Ananias. Please talk to me, saints. There's no, no, you don't have any, there's no service. He's not called a priest. He's not given any title other than a disciple of Jesus Christ. That being the case, let me just tell you, brothers and sisters, that means that God can do anything he wants to do if you will let him, if you will obey him, as he sends you on your mission, don't tell me you don't have one. I believe that's one reason why the scripture allows this story to come to us in the book of Acts because it shows a great empowered man of God, a person who is, is an apostle of God, who writes a third of the New Testament. Lord Jesus, all kinds of education, educated in the best university in the world, steeped in theology. Both the Greeks mean all of, of, of the Greek gods, he knew, he knew all of that, 
he understood the theology of the scriptures. The God of the Bible, the Old Testament. He was trained. And when God says, I want you, God knew exactly what he was doing. Some of you have not ever come to grips with what your life was before Christ got a hold of you. But I promise you, everything that was going on in your life up to that time, God was retrieving and God was, was causing and will cause that to work for your good and work for the ministry that he has called you to. Oh, I'm so sorry. Look at your neighbor with conviction. Look him right in their eyes. Says, you have been called to ministry by God. Every believer has a ministry in God. Some people don't come to Jesus because they think God's going to send them to Africa to eat monkey meat. That's why they don't come. Some people don't, they don't respond to Jesus because inside they know they have something to do for the kingdom of God. Sometimes their misconception, as Paul's misconception, kept, keeps them from doing so. But I love this passage because, because Ananias just obeys God. He, he says, God, you know, body, you know, he's been locking folk up. Yes, go, Ananias, go. God's command to him was go. The first command out of the mouth of God through the Holy Spirit to the disciples, when they received the Holy Spirit, the first word is go. Take your neighbor's hand, grab your neighbor's hand again. Your first ministry is to go where the Holy Spirit tells you into whatever situation he commands, whatever person that he sends you or he sends you to. Lord, have mercy. Have mercy. First row, turn around look at the second row. Tell them jokers sitting in that neck back and say, I didn't say this if y'all listen to them. That the, your first ministry is to go where God tells you. It's leadership of the Holy Spirit. Second row, turn around and tell that third row. Your first ministry, your first word is to go where God tells you. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, come on, and they will not what? Follow. You can't follow unless you go. This means that in your life, in your lifestyle, in your regimentation, in, in your living every day, every day of your life, away from the gathering of the saints, when you, you are under command of the Holy Spirit greatest excitement in your day and when God begins to show you what he wants you to do. Some of you have had that experience already and you just have been very silent about that. And the Lord wants to reactivate you. In fact, I want you to lift your hands to the Lord right now. I want you to lift your hands and surrender that the Holy Spirit will speak to you again. Greatest moment, greatest times, greatest thing in your life is that God would speak to you. When the Creator speaks to you, you become, you have an awareness that you are alive, you are whole, you have meaning, you have purpose. You are not alone, you are empowered. You must have courage to obey what He tells you. 
he will tell you. And he won't forsake you. It's true. As you're sitting right there, just I want you to ask the Lord. We, in fact, we're on assignment this week, aren't we? I want you, as you're sitting right there, I want you to ask the Lord, Lord, show me my assignment this week. Would you do that? Just pray that. Ask the Lord. Lord, show me my assignment. Be assured, your assignment will always, say always, be people. The things you do, it ends up with impacting people. Ooh-wee. You're here, I believe, because the Holy Spirit has drawn you here. Otherwise, you could be in another congregation that does not require or does not have an expectation of you doing anything outside the building. Just come, listen to the message, and you'll be good. That's not the house you're in. And it's not my job. My job is to empower you, is, is to equip you so that you become effective in what God has called you to do and who he's called you to be. My purpose is to get you ready so you have such courage and, 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 and you have such tenacity and that you have everything you need to get the job done that God has called you to do. No matter who you are or where you're from or what your education level, God wants to use you. Look your neighbor and say, he said you. He said you. You. Two weeks ago, I was asking you, how many of you are firstborn children? I was shocked. I shouldn't be. I did this five or six years ago. Three quarters of the house of firstborn kids. It's, it was crazy. I'm going to ask again, how many of you are firstborn kids? If you're not a firstborn child, that's okay. God uses everybody. Say amen. But it is interesting that most of you, and you know, do you know how many firstborn kids God uses in the scripture? You know, you're the ones your parents learned on. <laughs> you're the ones got dropped three or four times. <laughs> you're the one got, <coughs> you're the one got stuck with diaper pants. Amen. Because you're still old enough to put them to be still using that pretend. The pins had not been created yet. It's just amazing. I say I, I, I'm speaking to you because I'm, I, I'm looking at you and I'm looking at this company of disciples who are leaders in the kingdom of God. You are not just... A, a butcher, a baker, a candlestick maker, a lawyer, a doctor, an administrative person, an artist, a manager, a truck driver. You are so much more than that. It is no wonder that you are here because God has assignments for you to complete. Things are going to change because you're going to be the change agent that changes things. So Ananias gets up and he goes at the, at, the, at the coaxing of the Holy Spirit. Ananias goes to that house where Saul was and introduces himself, walks in. Well, when you read the text in the, ninth, in the ninth chapter, you see he walks in with courage, walks in. He said, Paul, I'm telling who he is, and I've been sent by God to lay hands on you. And you know, that boy blind, he don't care if a donkey came to lay hands on him. He don't care. 
All he know, he heard the voice. He was humble. Whatever mission was in his heart before, that got killed. Not good English, but good ghetto. Killed. Amen. Slain. Destroyed. Ananias lays his hands. Can you, Paul, he lays his head. Check it out. Lays his hands on him. Prays over him. His sight comes back. And the first thing happens to him, he gets baptized. It's the Apostle Paul that teaches that one of the things that accompanies baptism or that can accompany baptism is being baptized in the Holy Spirit. I, I told you last week, I don't read anything else about Ananias. Nothing. But that little act right there changed the course of history to this very day. That one act of obedience and courage to do the opposite of what his flesh would have said, to do the opposite of what the social media reported, to do the opposite of what is popular. That man heard from God. I'm asking you, can you hear from God? Since God speaks to disciples and Jesus said, my sheep, come on, what did they say? He said, my sheep, they know my voice and they will not follow another. Okay, I'm stuck here for a second because some of y'all are wrestling with this. Yeah, amen. I want those of you who know, you know what he told you to do, but you hadn't done it yet. Why would I do this today to you? Because somebody's life is waiting on the other end of your obedience. Somebody, some notorious person who God has chosen for the kingdom and as notorious as they were for the other world, for Satan's world, is as notorious as they will become for the kingdom of God and just waiting for you. Why me? Ask God why you. I don't know. God knows. He knows you're the one. You haven't done it yet, but you know you're supposed to do it. In the name of Jesus, stand on your feet and lift your hands to the Lord. I know he told me what to do, but I didn't do it yet. Father, in the name of Jesus, for the courage, for the absolute commitment, for the love in their hearts for you, I'm asking you, Heavenly Father, I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, ignite them this day. Let courage be in their heart. Lord, May their mouth speak the abundance of their heart. Let them go with joy, knowing because you sent them, you're the one that takes care of the results. Lord, I thank you for them. You know their name. You knew they would be here today. So would you, I pray for them, Father. Would you just anoint them? Remove 
every question. And Ananias had questions. Would you remove the questions from their heart? And just go because you said go. And let you take care of the results. Tell the Lord that as you stand. I will let you take care of the results. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll go where you want me to go. In Jesus' name, say amen. Give the Lord praise right there where you sit, where you stand. You may be seated. By the time you get to Acts, 30, Acts 9, 31, there's one verse there that I, I, wanted, I want to finish with this morning. It says this. It says this. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria enjoyed peace, being built up and going on in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. It continued to increase. And God's people said increase and amen. It's kind of an interesting verse there. This is the third of seven reports in the New Testament of the condition of the church. I, I noted every single one of them. It's amazing when, 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 when the Holy Spirit will give us a quick blurt, a quick advertisement, a quick synopsis of where the church is and what's going on. And when he says the church, he's, he's talking about the whole region. Sometimes he's referring to around the world or wherever the gospel has spread. It's an amazing thing. Again, this is number three. And it's a, a powerful description. And, and to the point where I, I pulled up in 2003. Uh, in 2003, I preached this message, or similar, uh, about what does it look like, a church under the blessing of God. And then I, I flipped it to what does it look like with a life that's under the blessing of God. What does that look like? What are the characteristics I, I spoke it from this passage. And here we are now in 24. And the church is needing so badly the characteristics that this verse talks about. The one that I, I've, been, I've been preaching about and harping about and sometimes screaming about. Uh, uh, he's working on me with that. How about that? Is is the fear of the Lord. So in verse 31, check it out. It says, they were going on in the what, saints? In the what? In the fear of the Lord. That's verse 31. And I've been talking about it because it's that characteristic. By the way, what I discovered, Elder Yule, what I discovered, uh, Tim, where I saw Tim somewhere. Where are you? Wave your hand at me. When I, when I preach to my theologians, so they, they, know, they know the scripture. What I discovered was that every account, there's seven of them, Every account of the church's growth and progress was accompanied with, an, with a, an incident or a movement of God that created the fear of the Lord. Every single one. In this passage, it says so. In the other passages, it gives you the situation before time. One, one of the passages talks about a, a, a leader who would not give God the glory and God struck him dead. And then it talks about the church growing going on. It's amazing. 
Some of you know the time in the early testament, in the New Testament, when the church was such unity and there was such power and such a flow of love until when Ananias and Sapphira, when they lied to the Holy Spirit and lied to the church and tried to make themselves out to be something they weren't, God just said, okay, enough. He just, they, they leave, they're dead, they're gone. First Ananias, then, then, then Sapphira, she comes in and they ask her, what happened to you? Well, how much did you? She said a certain amount. He said, no, that wasn't the amount. Bam, she fed that fell dead. And the Bible said they took them up and buried them behind the church. And the church went and, and, and nobody did join themselves to the church. But the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. What is going on? What is happening? Something's happening with the church right now of Jesus Christ where God's getting us in a position and, and may, may, may you cooperate. May your heart, may your heart hear and be filled with this so that as we go on, God and God begins to move and release his power and anointing. You will be a part of it. Raise your hand if you want to be a part of it. Some still don't understand. I keep talking about it because it's such a huge subject. To talk about the fear of the Lord is like trying to talk about the love of God. It's so huge. So, so in Psalms 33, verse six, 6 and 9, the fear of the Lord means to stand in awe of him as long as you can stand. Because if, if he decides to reveal himself in the glory that he really has, you won't be standing. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. By the breath of his mouth, all their hosts. Check it out. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. The solar systems were made. By the word of the Lord. He's spoken it was so. By the breath of his mouth and all their hosts. He gathers the water of the sea together in a heap. He lays up the deeps in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. Have you... Have you ever thought about why the ocean doesn't go any further than it goes? Considering the height and the, the depth of the sea and the height of the waves. Why, do, why in Florida it's all flat land? Why are they not covered up? I was in Miami a, a, a week or two ago and I'm looking, I'm right there. My condo is, on, well it ain't mine but I rented it. My condo on the sea. I was trying to be like Jesus. You know, Jesus had a condo by the sea. Uh, uh, read the Bible, read the Bible. And, and, uh, and so I'm, 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 uh, I'm, uh, my wife and I were looking out there at this ocean and uh, my, my daughter and son were looking out over the, oh, and the ocean's rolling, the waves are rolling in. And I'm saying, why, why do they come so far and then go back out? I don't get that. I know they, they'll, they'll teach us about tides and about gravity and the relationship of the, of the earth to the moon. Look at your name and say, God did that. He spoke it and it was so. I want you to know who you're dealing with. When he sends you, I want you to know who you're talking about, what you're talking about. I want you to know who's the one that sends you. Your attitude toward God is an indication of the, of the level of the fear of the Lord in your heart.
He spoke it. It was done. Exodus 3 and 14. God reveals himself to, 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 to Abraham and, and he said, excuse me, to Moses. God reveals himself to Moses and he says, who should I, who should I say is sending me? Because he don't know his name. I think it's interesting that he wanted to know his name. God told Moses. He identified him as a God of his fathers and of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he said, well, if you're sending me, anybody sent has the authority according to the one who sent him. Does it make any sense? And by the way, when God sends you and they question why you would pray for them, when they, when they, when they question, who are you? When they question what happens to them because of your prayer, because of the ministry, whatever ministry God gives for you to give to them, then that is your time to get to do exactly what Moses did. You tell them who sent you. Don't, 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 just, don't be talking about the universe sent me. Hello, somebody. Don't say, well, you know, uh, the, the special unknown for God's sake don't say the big guy upstairs because he will test the level of the fear of the Lord in your heart are you willing to name his name before those who don't know him and don't love him are you, are you willing to give to back up the authority in which you do what you do based on what God has told you to do will you tell them the Lord Will you, will you identify Jesus? I suggest you do that. All the people said, amen. And he says, God, when God introduces himself to Moses, Moses, what, 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 uh, what's your name? Who shall I tell them sent me? And here's what God says. This is, this is Exodus chapter 3, verse 14. God says to them, this is, this, this, I don't even know, I don't really know how to process this. I just, the best I can. He said, tell them, I am that I am. <laughs> what? I don't care if you sound stupid, tell them, I am that I am. God is saying, he's everything that we will ever need him to be to fulfill us. He is everything we ever need him, everything we will ever need for him to work in us. God is the one who will work in us to, in order to conform us to the image of Christ. He's everything we'll ever need to work through us to make him known to others. God is everything. He is more than what you need and whatever you need, he will be that too. Excuse me, I didn't say he was the money. I didn't say he was the trees. I did not say he was the universe. I did not say that. God is the one who created the universe, planted the trees, and he's the one who's made everything out of the breath of his mouth. My, in fact, he made you. Look at your name and say, he made you too. Sometimes I think God is a comic when I think of the lives that I'm connected to at times. Because some of y'all are some funny people, amen. When you go, 
when you, when you decide, okay, Lord, I'm, I'm completing this mission, let the fear of the Lord be in your heart when you understand who the one is who sent you. So Psalms 22 and 23, 22, 22 says, I will tell of your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, glorify him and stand in awe of him. All of you descendants of Israel. Jeremiah understood it when he said in verse 5, do you, do, do you not fear me, declares the Lord? Do you not tremble at my presence? For I have placed the sand as a boundary for the sea. Uh, an, e an eternal decree. So I cannot cross over it. So it cannot cross over it. Though the waves are tossed, yet they cannot prevail. Though they roar, yet they cannot cross over it. God said, when I tell the water to stop, it stops. I don't care how big the oceans are. I don't care how big the waves are. If they get too, so big that they're crossing over, that's because I let them cross over. I, they stop when I say stop. Hello, somebody. Look at your neighbor. And the enemy has to stop when God says stop over your life. And, 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 and the poverty has to stop when God says stop over your life. Are you there? And the sickness has to stop when God says enough over your life. And the people said amen. And when God sends you, you understand if he would send you, then he already prepares, like he has prepared the shores of the sea. He prepares the hearts of men for you, for you, for your entrance, for your, by the way, some of you, amen, I think you can hear this. Some of you have not been promoted because you have forgotten who sent you. And the only thing keeping you from that is standing in your place and making the declaration. Hallelujah. And those of you have been afraid of the promotion because you don't you, you want the money but you don't want the responsibility. One of the reasons why the promotion is there for you because you get more influence and God gives you an opportunity to touch somebody or someone at that level of responsibility that he's after. Look at your neighbors and God wants to promote me. Tell you if God wants to promote me. Take the promotion. Apply for it. Let the people say amen. Tap your neighbor and say, go for it. God is telling us that we should stand in awe of him who is a being who so completely, comprehensively supreme and totally sufficient, who always has been is now and always will be so perfect that there is no way that there is no way to describe him other than I am. The fear of the Lord is not only to stand in awe of him, but it means it's also to hate evil and wickedness. It's all in the scripture. Proverbs 8.13, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil and pride and arrogance and the evil look if God promotes you why are you sticking your chest out like you did it if the Lord wants to elevate you why are you why are you 
my, as folks who come from where I come from, why are you acting like, why are you acting like you all that? Are you serious? You know the truth. If it wasn't for him, you wouldn't be there. Let the people say amen. And the best kind of leadership is humble leadership. And the best kind of leadership is not leadership who try to force their authority, but leaders who, 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 who gain authority from God because of the way they serve. By the way, if you're going to be promoted, understand, it's a higher level to serve. Where did I lose you? How did I lose you? If you're going to serve in a higher position, your service is, more, is greater. It's the only way you receive authority. If you've got an attitude that you think you're better than anybody, Maybe the reason why you haven't got promoted because you think you're better than somebody else. God wants this in your heart. When the fear of the Lord's in your heart, you realize the only reason why I'm here is because of what you're doing in here. I will set, check this out. David said in 139, Psalms 139, Search me, O Lord, know my heart, try me and know my anxious thoughts, and see if there be any hurtful, that word hurtful means wicked or offensive, way in me. Lord, that word also, wicked, means <laughs> that which makes you sad. Wow. Lord, search my heart. See if there be anything like that inside of me. And lead me in the way everlasting. If you, if you want to be, if you want God to use you, then you need this attitude called the fear of the Lord, which hates evil, hates wickedness, and stands in all God. Look at one, uh, Psalm 103. Excuse me, 101, Psalm 101, 3. It's an amazing verse. I will, have you found it? Or, or write it down somewhere so you can look at it when you go home and make it part of your devotion. I will set no worthless thing before my eyes. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not fasten its grip on me. And the church said, amen. Again, I hate, wow. Your precepts, Lord, by your precepts I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. Psalms 119, 104. Why, how do I hate every false way? Because your precepts give me understanding. And when I understand, say, oh, God, that's the way you see that? And I hate that too. Are you there? I hate those who are double-minded. But I love your law. That's David speaking in Psalms 119, 113. Proverbs 8, 13. Fear the Lord. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, arrogance, and the evil way. And the perverted mouth I hate. Check yourselves. Are you breathing? When you receive the fear of the Lord, when it starts to grow in your heart, this is what will happen. It'll do two things. Number one, it'll produce in us the same attitude towards sin that God has. 
which is to hate it. Secondly, it'll produce in us this attitude, a deep respect, a deep respect for and a reverence and an understanding of God's holiness, the power of God, the total sufficiency of our God to meet every one of our needs. God is not, tell your neighbor, God's not holding back on you. There are, there are, there are many things held up, not because God doesn't want you to have those things. Many things are held up because your heart's not prepared to receive it. I was listening to a, a, a preacher of the gospel who said, what about the storehouses in heaven that are full of the stuff God has already prepared for his people, but they can't receive him because if he gives them the stuff, they'll forget him. Somebody said, well, you know, Lord, just bless me. I just want you to bless me. Lord, if you just drop that million on me right now, if you drop that million on me right now, if God dropped a million on some of, some of you, if he dropped a million on you right now, I would not see you for the next six months take you about that long six to spin it and, and, and you'll be back to my well you know it ain't going that good some of you if, if you open up your checkbook and, and uh, on your phone and looked in your, your balance and you saw on, in the, on your balance five million you'd be jumping shouting running like oh Jesus and then you'd be leaving uh, ain't thought about tithing. No, I can tithe at $50, but I ain't tithing at $5 million. If you don't learn to tithe at $50 and $100 and $10,000, come on, y'all talk to me. If you don't learn how to tithe at $5,000, if you don't learn how to tithe and you got the $20,000 comes in and you, and you feel like, oh, you know what you could do? The devil start tithing. You know what you could do? Do you know what you could do with the $2,000? Yeah, I can sink my own ship. I ain't sinking my ship. Hello, 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 hello. Are you all there, saints? Can you imagine God in heaven, what he has in store? I'm not talking about when the kingdom of God has fully come. I'm not talking about in heaven. You need help now. And many times it has not come because there's not been sufficient fear of the Lord in your heart. I want you to check your heart today and see what it is that you need to hate that you don't. How do you get the fear of the Lord? I'll give you one proverb. There's so much. I'll give you one proverb. You, you take it home, get in your devotions, check it out. Proverbs 2, 1 through 7. Write that down. Proverbs 2, 1 through 7. This is how you, get, this is how you can get what I'm talking about. My son, if you will receive my sayings, and treasure my commandments within you and make your ear attentive to wisdom and incline your heart to understand if you cry for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding if you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God for the Lord gives wisdom. 
Lord have mercy. The Lord gives wisdom from his mouth. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the righteous. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity. And the church said amen. Tap it on your phone. Tap it on your, on your notes. Number one, you've got to open your heart to God. Because unless you're not open, unless you, if you think you already have enough of that, you're already disqualified. So open your heart to God. You're going to have to change your appreciation and love for the word of the Lord. We were talking about this in our training class today. It's something God wants to do in your heart. Give me those three things. I think it was, I think it was, uh, I think it was, uh, um, Tim, Tim, where are you? Say it again. Thank you. Thank you. Three stages. Uh, this is three stages you will go through when you decide you're going to get in the word of God. Number one, discipline. Discipline means you come back again and again and again, even though you don't, you ain't feeling it. Discipline is what you do when you don't feel like doing, but you do it because you know. And by the way, it shows you have faith because God knows you're looking for the results and you believe. We've been preaching this for 10 years about to the Metro members. The important number one, number one Metro member. We have daily devotions. You're not in the word by day because it's your, you, you just, by the way, if you've not done this, then it, it feels so, wow, futile. But I'm promising you, if you will, every day when the sun goes up, and maybe some of you have to switch that because you work at night or whatever, but, but for most people, when the sun, if you make that the first thing in the morning, that you are in the word of God, for real. You're reading it. You're writing what you understand. And you're talking to God. The uh, Proverbs said, I want you to search for it like silver. Oh my God. Every day. Tenaciously. You're in it. Are you breathing? That's discipline. Every athlete knows what I'm talking about. You never feel like it in the beginning. Every martial arts person gets it completely if I have to throw another kick when you kick till that knee be, is aching kick till your butt string is <laughs> and, but, but, but what, here's something that happens when you go through a discipline there is a period now I, I know in, uh, in terms of learning psychologists say 21 days and it flips on you and you create a new habit. But some people get to day five. Say, oh, no. Oh, no, Jesus, no. Some of y'all, some of you, you know, you wake up and what you've been disciplining at, you're just like, oh, God, I do not. And, and God is delivering the church now from living by their feelings. Lord, if I have, oh, Jesus, I just don't feel, I don't feel like, you know, I'm, I don't, I can't sense nothing. Hello? They're not. So I'm calling you to discipline. That's the first stage. And the second stage is, is, is desire. What happens after you, day after day, it's going, I promise you, it's going to turn for you. 
and desire. You're like, I want this. Same way in, in exercise. After you've done it so long, your body says, are we going? Come on. Ain't we going? Come on, let's go. Be in bed, trying to sleep. I said, no, we got to go. Come on, get up. Y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. You land there, you know you ain't supposed to be laying there. Let me get up. Come, come on, come on, get up. And, and, and your body starts liking the way it feels, even though you beat it up for a while. It starts like, oh, this is all right. Shoot, I can, I can climb steps a little easier. Amen. I can walk a little faster. Thank you, Lord. I ain't tripping over my shadow. Thank God. You know, and, and you start to feeling good. You sit down. I ain't making noises when I sit down. I ain't making noises when I stand up. You know, your body starts to, have I got any witnesses out here? You know you feel better when you've been doing that thing for a while, and it becomes a, a habit, and you move from discipline to de desire. And then if you continue on because it's a desire, you will love it. Now it's a delight. Say it again. You love what you see. You look in the mirror, you say, boy, look out. Girl. I don't know what the girls are like. I got a girl, you know. I know she likes it when she, when she losing weight. She ain't going to see me. I see her looking in the mirror talking about And of course, you know, I want to, I want to encourage her. I said, girl, you looking good today. Dummy husbands. Hey, hey. Anyway, girl, you looking good today. Girl, you looking good. You look good. And I learned something about my wife. I had to change my language. Now that I've changed my language, it's making it all different to the world. I say, girl, you look sexy. She goes. Word to the wise. Saints, we got to go home. So check this out. If the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. If you're going to receive wisdom, which by the way, if you do a little, little digging, you'll find out that the fear of the Lord, which produces wisdom, is what produces riches. The fear of the Lord, which produces wisdom, produces wealth. The fear of the Lord, which produces wisdom, will show you what to do. The fear of the Lord in your heart. This, I'm loving to be in your presence. God will give you, will, he, he will let wisdom come upon you. And you will, you will, and it will control your mouth. Because many of your, much of your riches and even your wealth is going to come from your mouth. But if you never get control, you don't get what God wants you to have because you haven't gone through the discipline. And God knows the reason why he's made it this way. Because what it takes to get this wisdom and to, to do the things and say the things that he wants you to say is what it's going to take to keep it. If I were you, I'd say, Lord, I need, I need the fear of the Lord in my life. Tap your neighbor, tell him it'll, it'll deliver you from mediocrity. Tell your neighbor, it'll promote you to excellence. Are you okay? Okay, we got to go. We got to go.
discipline, to desire, to delight. I delight to do your will, oh Lord. I want you to, I, today when you go to work, I want, you to, I want you to pull Kathy in the office and I want you to make sure you're, you're private and I want you to ask her what's going on with her because her countenance has changed and something's happening with her and what's going on with her. Off the record, come on, what's going on? And Kathy says, my husband's cheating on me. Mm. And you begin to give her that wisdom out of your heart. You begin to say to her, this is what we're going to do. We? Yeah. Mm. And now you, you begin to feed Kathy. That worker who, who, who's excellent, but whose work has been shoddy. And you don't want to fire him. You don't want to throw him away. Pull, you, you pull him aside. You say, you, you're, one of the, you're one of the most excellent persons in this company. But in the last six weeks, your work says something's wrong. What can I do? How can I help you? What do you need me to pray about? Oh, my God. And you begin to pray. And they tell you. They just break down. They don't, first of all, they didn't expect it in the marketplace for you to be so real and honest and caring. And you begin to talk to them and say, you know, you get to, you're telling, telling them your story, how your son, your daughter were, and how you want to come into agreement with them. So this is off the record. Just use that word, it's off the record. And they'll, they'll open up. And you begin to pray with them, and God begins to come and agree between the two of you. God begins to turn things around. Or you learn how to just be there. Look, it's wisdom. The deal comes across your desk and so lucrative you can't hardly believe it. You're ready four or five times, and he said, Oh my God. And you and you and, and and you get this thing in your heart. There's something I may not see. There's something I may not see. And, and the wisdom of God begins to work in you. And you take the contract again and you read it again and you find one little phrase that'll put the whole company in jeopardy. How did you see that? The wisdom of God. Help you to see what you otherwise could not see. Wisdom is a, pre, is a principal thing. The proverb says, if, if you're going to get anything, get wisdom. It's more precious than silver or gold. Wisdom is more powerful than riches. And where would you get that wisdom from? The fear of the Lord. I hate what's evil. I hate trickery. I hate lying. I hate abuse. I hate manipulation. Y'all breathe it? And where did you get that wisdom from? You got that from the presence of God. You got that from the word of God. You got that from, from, from the throne of heaven that wants to give you. Come, listen to me, and I will give you. Come, listen to me. I'll baptize you in the fear of the Lord. Okay, got to stop. 
Whatever you, God, whatever the Lord wants you to hate will always begin in yourself. Are you still here? When God wants to give you his wisdom and you say, Lord, I want that wisdom. I want to walk in the fear of the Lord, which is a powerful thing. When, I, when God does it, he will show you, number one, what's in you that you, he wants you to hate. Is God's not putting you down. God's not rejecting you. He's just showing you what I need you to turn your attitude about. I, I, it feels like I lost him. You think I lost him? Oh, this word is whipping you. Some girl told me down the hall, one of my sisters, she said, Bishop, your old word was whipping us upside the head. Maybe that's happening right now. I don't know. I know one thing. God wants to do a mighty shifting metro so the riches that are held up in heaven for this house come down on this house and begin to bless you because your heart is right with God. Your attitude is right with God. You don't own nothing. You're just his steward. Hello, somebody. Thank you, Lord. Some of you parents that don't know what to say to your kids. Everything you said so far runs them away. You need the wisdom of Almighty God. Where does the wisdom come? It comes from the fear of the Lord. Because your kids are acting out your words and acting out your past lifestyle. Y'all not talking to me. Okay, so I think I just want you to stand at this point, if you would be so kind, to stand on your feet. In Acts chapter 9, verse 31, he says, the, the church was going on. It was being built up and edified. It had peace. And it, 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 go, it went on in the fear of the Lord. Lord, have mercy. He goes on to say, and God added to the church. Listen to me. The church is going to grow one way or another with those who don't fear him or with those that do. Are you there? In this, in this house, the one you've chosen to become a part of, we, I want to say like, like Joshua said, as for me and my house, we fear the Lord. We're making our stand. And then God is the one who wants to show off. Raise your hands if you want God. Let's raise them both. You want him to show off through you, through your, through, in your household. Show off in your family. Show off in your, in, your, in your earnings. Show off in the marketplace through you. Show off financially for you. Show off your family. How, how well you get along. What, how beautiful it is. It's because that house is permeated with the fear of the Lord. As your hands are raised, Lee's son was testifying. Lee was testifying yesterday, Pastor Lee. He said, uh, my mama, she put the fear of God in your heart. <laughs> How many of you understand what that is? That respect. God wants that in your heart, that respect for him. Love for him and hatred for what abhors him. Father, in Jesus' name, these hands that are raised, these hands that want promotion, I pray for them in the name of Jesus. May they see their level. Show them where they are in this. 
Lord, would you open their hearts to, to desire? For the fear of the Lord is clean. Lord, have mercy. It's not wicked. It's not evil. It's not polluted. It, it's, it's, it's not defamed. The fear of the Lord is not cursed. It's not religious. It's clean, enduring the soul. The fear of the Lord is good. It's fresh. It sets you free. It frees you from the fear of man. Lord, have mercy. Ask the Lord right there where you stand. Ask him for it. Did you know God, there's some things God has provided? You got to ask him. Once you, once you become knowledgeable of it, you got to ask him, Lord, give me the fear of the Lord. He said, if you cry out for it, if you put your eyes in the book and you, and you read the study to, to see, to understand it, it becomes your reward. Oh my God, fear of the Lord, really. In fact, there's a scripture that talks, the fear of the Lord is God's reward. Lord, have mercy. David had it, God made him rich. Solomon had it, God made him wealthy. It's amazing. God's looking for somebody, some candidates who will say, Lord, I want that. I'm going to walk in that. I'm, I want to be so tender and so obedient to you. You can command me. You can command out of my wealth and I will, I will release it for what, to whatever you say. I am not afraid to lose it because I've got the one who bought it to me. I will not be manipulated by the world that tries to, tries to, tries to, to lay their hands on what God has given to me and for his kingdom. You'd be wise enough to understand that. Your, your appetites are under control. So you're not afraid to ask God, is this okay? Lord, have mercy. God says to you, yes, I want to place you in that position. But I want to place you there with a pure heart, a clean heart, a pure heart. So when I command you to do something, when I command you to speak to somebody, you will do it without fear. The only fear you have is a clean, healthy fear of me. Lord, have mercy. Need it for the whole body of Christ. Father, would you answer the prayer, this sincere prayer, of the request of your people today? We ask you, Lord, fill us with your fear. Fill us with your reverence. Fill us with your understanding. Let your wisdom come upon us. And I thank you as we prepare for the days that are coming. Lord, whatever repentance needs to happen, I pray for grace to turn inside, to turn around. I pray you for those who will acknowledge so. In Jesus' name, God's people said amen.